Well, hello, family. It's good to see you. My name is Eddie. Good morning. Good morning. I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, it is really good to see you guys. Um, I enjoy being able to, to come together and, and to celebrate God. And churches, it's a, it's a unique moment where you and I, get to, as a corporate body, come before God and talk to him and allow him to talk to us and, and be encouraged by him and express our thanks to him and for him to, to, to speak to us in ways that are, are transformative and unique and specific to each of our situations. I mean, I've, I've looked around the room a number of times today and I've seen your faces and I know that some of us are, are experiencing great things in life and we're, we're having a good time. And I know that some of us are having challenges in life and, and we're going through turmoil and, and some of your faces, I have no idea who you are and I'm just glad you're here. And, and hopefully you find yourself in a good spot. But wherever you are, uh, I'm so glad you're here at church because uh, life is, is less when you're not here. Uh, we as a people are less when you're not here. And, and God is pleased to interact with you when you are here. Not to say that, that when we leave that, that somehow God doesn't show up, but, but there's something unique about being here with you guys. There's something unique about coming together as a body of people. You know, there's a reason that, that the, the church gathers together, that we don't just do church by ourselves at our house. So thank you for, for making it. Thank you for working hard to get here, for uh, getting dressed and, and ironing clothes and having breakfast early and, you know, lovingly encouraging your children to get into the car. Um, whatever it took for you to get here, teenagers, for being here, they're all gone. Never mind. Um, but thank you guys for being here. It's, it's good to see you. Well, uh, a few weeks back, we, we were doing this series on the parables, and we had a brief interrup- interruption to talk about love, and we're going to reflect one more week on, on a parable that, that Jesus gave. It's, it's almost not a parable, it's, it's mostly just a, a metaphorical statement. But a few weeks back, if you don't know, we talked about this, this parable. A parable is just a short story intended to illustrate a main point. Uh, it, it's not a novel. It's not a, a short fiction. So there's not a tons of detail. It's, it's all intended to give towards this one major point. And so the first week that we started to talk about this, we talked about Jesus talking about sowing, farm work, putting seed out, something that we're all super familiar with because in our culture, no, it's, it's a little removed and so we talked about that, but he, he discussed the different types of soil that seed could fall in and the resulting fruit or, or plant that would grow from it and basically the idea was that we want to consider the state of our soil or the state of our soul. The next week we talked about the mustard seed, this tiny seed that, that in Jesus' time was one of the smallest seeds in, in agriculture and how from this tiny seed there was the, the promise of a huge bush it, it described as a tree, something that could be big enough to support uh, and, and create a habitat for birds and how that when we look at our lives, oftentimes we consider the small beginnings, the, the insignificant, minuscule small steps that we take and we, we can kind of not have any faith for what God could do with that. But when, we, when God works and he works in our small, minuscule, mustard seed type situations, big things can happen. And then the next one we talked about this hidden treasure, that, that the kingdom of heaven, this, 
this kingdom that God has established that he's, he's bringing about, the kingdom that we talk about in our mission statement where we want to help you encounter Christ, experience community, and extend this kingdom, this kingdom is treasure that is worth everything. That when you encounter it and appreciate it for what it is, you're willing to give up everything for the sake of this kingdom. And, and you don't lose when you do that because the kingdom is worth more than that. So whatever you give up, God, God returns to you in his kingdom. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and we're going to talk about salt. So stand with me as we read one verse. This is Matthew 5, 13. Read with me. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would be different in the world. God, I, I want to live differently in this world in such a way that people see and appreciate that there is something different inside of me, that God, you, by your spirit, are inside of me. And I pray that we as a people would be different not, not for the sake of novelty, but because your life and your gospel demands that we live differently. And, and like the, the metaphor of salt, Lord, that I pray that we would be a force for life, a force for healing, a force for, for preservation, for salvation in our community. Lord, that, that along the, the Route 7 corridor, that we would be a force that would bring about new life, transformation, restoration, reconciliation because of what you've done in our souls, Lord, that, that the gospel would, would be manifest in the way we live differently from those around us. Father, I pray that we would be committed to living differently. Help us as we study your word, as we take it in, and as we try to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to give you some, some context. You know, I always like to give context when we, when we read the Bible together. Context is super important when you're reading the Bible. You can read a lot of amazing things from the Bible, and, and if you want to, you can try and make it say whatever you want if you pull it out of context. So we want to consider what, what Matthew was trying to accomplish and what Jesus was trying to accomplish when he talked about salt. And, and I promise this is going to be encouraging, even though it ends in a really dark way. <laughs> It'll be trampled underfoot. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Great. But Jesus, has, he's just begun his ministry, and he gives this famous... Sermon on the Mount. And so he's coming to the people of, of, of Israel and, and to the surrounding areas, and he's giving this picture of a lifestyle that's completely different from what the world would call normal. He, he talks about, he starts off with these beatitudes, and he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed or, or happy or uh, in a good life are those who, who's right, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Then he goes on to talk about persecution. We all like to talk about persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Yeah, Jesus, okay, I'm on board with that. No. Um, 
for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those are you when others revile you and persecute you for, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Yeah, that's what I think about when people do those things. I'm blessed. No. Rejoice and be glad. I'm okay, Jesus, uh, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they per- persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if, if we're not careful and, and we kind of put on our churchy glasses, we can, oh yeah, that's, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, sounds great. But, but recognize that this is vastly different from the way the world lives. And, and if we're honest, I think it's vastly different than, than most times the way we would like to consider our own lives being. I don't want to be poor in spirit. I don't want to live my life in such a way that I, I have to admit, you know what, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at this. I don't have a lot to bring to the table. I'm actually pretty poor as it relates to most things. You know, we want to be seen as, as being put together, as being, as being connected, as being wealthy in all aspects. You know, wealthy in our health, wealthy in our money, wealthy in our employment, wealthy in our relationships, popular. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God. Those people are the ones who are blessed. Blessed are those who mourn. Who wants to run into mourning? You know, let's go do that. Who looks at our, their life and says, this thing or this person or this situation has died and I'm mourning and in the middle of that says, you know what, God, you've blessed me. That's, that's, that's counterintuitive. That's not normal, that's different. He goes on and he says, Blessed are the, the, the meek. No, that's, not, that's not something our culture says. Our, says. our culture says, blessed are the strong. Blessed are those who can use their strength to get more power. Blessed are the powerful. Blessed are the beautiful. Blessed are those who, who have a lot and who can get more and can use that to do what they want. Blessed are those who can basically become demigods. And he says, no, no, no. Blessed are those who have strength and use it under control. Who are meek. He values those who desire godliness, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not hunger and thirst for this desire or that desire or that pleasure or that success or that power. He says, no, no, no. Blessed are those who look at the world and they say, God, I want to see what, what is right be lifted up and what is wrong be broken down and what, what is oppressed be brought up and what is oppressive be broken down. <clears throat> he goes on to say, blessed are those who, who are merciful. And that, that sounds nice. You know, I think that we're, oh yeah, we want to be merciful people until someone cuts us off in traffic. And then we want to be like, where's my light? Do I have a light? You know, I want to be the police right now and pull that person over. I'll show them mercy. The mercy of not setting their car on fire. Maybe you guys don't get as angry as I do sometimes. Mercy is not something that, that comes naturally to us. Then he goes and he says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, who are fully devoted to God, who seek peace, who seek the benefit of others, who look out at, at the field and their first inclination is not, how can I get mine and do mine and, and be successful, but how can, I, how can I help these other people? How can I pull these people together in unity? Jesus is describing a very different type of lifestyle when it comes to the natural world. And, and don't don't kid yourself. This isn't different just then. This is super different now. I mean, think about your, your places of employment, your, your family, your extended family, your friends, entertainment, television, movies. 
These values are countercultural to almost everything that we see in the culture. And for the most part, when it isn't, it's because there's a Christian emphasis behind it. Or something that reflects the values of, of, of this Judeo-Christian worldview. Jesus is pointing about something different. And, and that's where we find ourselves when he talks about the salt. So I'm going to read it one more time. You, and that's emphatic. It's an emphatic you. So he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about the world and he's talking about his lifestyle. And then he says emphatically, you all are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? He starts and he says, you are the salt of the earth. So we have to ask a question, okay, what does that mean? What is he talking about? And thankfully, not a lot has changed in terms of salt. Its uses are pretty similar. You know, there are about really three things that, that we can point to that, that Jesus, I think, is referring to. He, he talks about, or salt was a flavor improver. It was, it was a seasoning. It was a, a purifier or antiseptic. And it was, it was a preservative. I mean, those were the three positive uses. There were some negative uses that we can talk about in a minute. But, but those are the big three. So he talks about how we are the salt of the earth. You and I are, are intended to season the world. If you are in Christ, if Jesus Christ uh, is your Lord and Savior, if you've trusted in him, then your life needs to reflect that fact and, and affect the, the world around you through the seasoning that you bring. Now, I don't, I'm not a very good cook, but I, I know a little bit about cooking. And one of the things that I know that salt does is when you put it on things, it's intended not necessarily just to make it salty, but if you do it in the right amounts, it brings out the natural flavor of, of what the thing you're cooking. And, and so if you're cooking some, some steak, you know, just put a little salt. Don't put a bunch of A1 sauce out of here. Um, salt <laughs> will draw out that flavor, the flavor that you want in the steak. The other stuff you don't want, trust me. Right? If you're cooking chicken, it, it brings out the flavor. You got your thigh with the skin on and the bone in for all the flavor. Throw in some salt, maybe some garlic, some pepper, but mostly salt. And, and it, it draws out that flavor. It draws out that flavor. Now, in, in the Bible, salt was sometimes used as a picture of wisdom. And, and so there's a wisdom that God has in, in gospel living, in living in light of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that that reflects itself in terms of wisdom. And what it does in the world is it allows you to see the world as how it was intended to be. And it it allows you to draw out the things that were naturally there as God intended it to be. See, what sin does, sometimes we think that sin frees us and allows us to do what we want. But the wisdom of God, the salt of God says, no, I I want you to experience the, the pleasures, the joy, the, the wonder of this, this world, the colors of the world, nature, and I want you to experience it the way it was intended to be. When Adam and Eve were, were created and put in the garden, it wasn't boring. They didn't look around and say, oh, no, this, it was vibrant, all the colors, all the, the smells, you know, they had all the trees for all the fruits. And, and this was pre-pesticide, pre, I mean, it's super organic, I mean, whole food. You, you just got to imagine that it smelled amazing. It looked amazing. You know, we were driving yesterday uh, through some of the, the mountain ranges around here, and, and it was just, it was beautiful. And, and when you can live life differently, 
You can draw out the beauty that God has put in the world such that other people can see it differently. When you are able to live in your marriage such that husbands, you, you love your wife as Christ loved the church and wives, you, you, you love your husband and, and you follow his leadership and, and, and you're doing this kind of super countercultural dance, people look at that and they're like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But then they look at the joy and the, the, the depth of that relationship and, and the, the longevity of that relationship and it's, it's the wisdom of God that brings out the color of life, the, the flavor of life. I mean, I think most of us, maybe not, when I think about like a perfect marriage, I think of like the old couple, like the super old couple, and they're just kind of like, and they have their secrets, and they know, you know, and maybe they don't look too super impressive, but there's just something impressive about the fact that they're, you know, in their 80s, in their 90s, and they're together, and, and they love one another, and like, you're so old and and that's that's what our world says like you're what are you here but but they're like i have a real deep life a meaningful deep abiding life with this person as a result of the years and the years and the years of faithfully obeying god in the context of this marriage it it brings out the wisdom of god and all of a sudden you see the world how it was intended to be it was a picture of wisdom. You see, the disciples had the wisdom of God. They understood the, the purpose and the reason for this creation. Part of the reason that, that the wisdom of God, this, this salt is needed in the world is because people don't have any idea why they're here. They, have, they don't even think there's a reason for them to be here. You and I, hopefully, we know we're here because God created us to worship him and enjoy him forever. It's the one of it's the it's one of the most. There are other things that are also no. It's the most fulfilling thing that you can do, and the the amazing thing about it is it's is God has given each of us this very direct purpose of worshiping God, but He's created all of creation so that each of us can do it so differently. That my following, obeying, and worshiping of God is not exactly the same as Pastor Jermaine's. and Pastor Jermaine's obeying and worshiping of God is not exactly the same as as yours, and yet. As we, as a corporate body, as we as individuals, disciples of God, worship God and, and fall into line of the wisdom of God, which says that we are created to enjoy him and worship forever, as we do that, it, it paints a picture that is amazing. I mean, this is unique, guys. What we're doing here is unique. I hope you value what's happening here. It's unique, and it's the wisdom of God. Now, What's interesting, and one of the reasons that we talk about this is, is when he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, the word for lost its taste, it, it means becomes foolish. In fact, when the translators are looking at that, they're like, oh, okay, well, let's look at the Hebrew behind this Greek word, because most of the time, this Greek word means just to become foolish. So there, when we don't live in a way that reflects the wisdom of God, where we don't season everything, it, we invite foolishness into our life. We want to have the wisdom of God. Not only does it, it reflect the wisdom of God, salt purifies. It's an antiseptic. In, in Exodus, we, we see a picture of this in Exodus chapter 30, verse 35. The Lord said to Moses, I'm sorry, 34. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices. 
I can't read these, Stacta and Onica, and uh, Galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be equal parts, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt. And then he says, pure and holy. Something about your life needs to bring, bring an atmosphere of holiness, right? Um, he goes on and talks about it in Second Kings. Chapter 2, 19 through 23. Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, this situation is, of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees it, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. He said to them, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it, brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage can come from it. Now, scientifically, that makes no sense. But, but what was trying to be, what Elisha was showing us and what God is showing us is that, is that salt was a, a picture of the, the holiness of God coming to something that was unholy and changing and transforming it. And you and I, our lives are intended to usher in holiness. When you go to work, how do people react? How do they respond? Do they continue their conversation? Oh yeah, come on in, we're, talk, you know, we're telling these funny jokes and they're off color and inappropriate, but... I know that you're good for it. Or, or do they just, oh, be, be quiet. Bill's there. You know, Billy's grown up. He's now a good guy. <laughs> if you don't know, Billy is my imaginary character for every bad decision that people make. So Bill now is grown up, sanctified, loves the Lord. And when he enters into the office, the atmosphere changes. When you enter the office, what happens to the atmosphere? Does it, does it change when you go to the grocery store, how, how does your interaction affect the people around you? You're right. Do, 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 the, do the cashiers, do they have a story now to tell of, yeah, this person came in and they were terrible? Or, or do they have a story of, hey, this person prayed for me. I don't, I don't know. They just, they changed my whole day. You know, we have the opportunity, and it's not just with chapter and verse, although, again, I've said it so many times, we need to share the gospel, but your life and your love and your kindness is intended to change the environment. In, in situations where you should legitimately be frustrated, right? Maybe you go and you, you get your car worked on, and they're like, you know what, we were wrong, it's going to cost way more money, and we have these other pieces, and, you know, it's too bad for you. Your reaction in that moment has the opportunity to either Proclaim the, the, the holiness of God or to besmirch his name. Like, oh, you're a Christian. Like, what is that? What is the, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you're a Christian and I should become one? Or, oh, you're a Christian and you're a hypocrite? Salt is intended to purify. They were intended, these disciples, and we are intended to be a sanctifying force in the world. A force for good. I mean, one of the things I, I hope to see in, at Dominion High School, one of the things I hope to see in, uh, at Nova, at Northern Virginia Community College, the Loudoun campus specifically, one of the things I hope to see from, from McLean to, to Hamilton is, whoop, is, and farther out, boys, um, is, is that, that we would affect this community that, there, that we, like, like yeast thrown into some dough, that it would, it would leaven the whole dough. That's, that's what God invites you into. Sometimes we look at the Christian life and we're like, oh, 
I just got to do the right thing. Okay, I got to read my Bible and I got to pray. And, and it's this sort of internal, it's all about me. It's about what I do. And sometimes it's hard and I don't know why I'm doing it. You're doing this because the world needs it. You're reading your Bible so that you can change and be a different kind of person and offer people hope. The world needs hope. People who don't believe they have any purpose are hopeless. People who think that they just, they're the result of, of two cells coming together out of no reason, a mistake, an accident, they need hope. People who think the world formed from, from this matter plus time equals us, they need hope. We're intended to be a sanctifying force. We have hope. God has given us purpose and direction and meaning. We have the wisdom of God that says God was there in the beginning before all the, th- the world was created. It, it says God has a plan for us. It says that God has saved us in Christ. It says that, that God has an end in store for us, a celebration, a, a, a wedding feast. We have wisdom and we have hope and it's intended to change the environment. Exactly. But perhaps most of all, salt was used to preserve from decay. We don't think about this nearly as much because we have refrigerators, and for that I am very thankful. But salt was used as a preservative. It was intended to, de- to slow the effects of decay. And, and the disciples were called to live, you know, going back to the Beatitudes, to live in such a way that they were preserving those around them. You know, the Bible talks about the, the woman who who's, becomes a Christian in the context of an unbelieving marriage. Her husband is an unbeliever, and it says she should pray and persevere and live in a particular way that, so that maybe her husband will be saved. There, there's a kind of preservative that you can provide to those around you in the words you say and the life you live. You know, if you have family members who don't believe in Jesus Christ, who, who don't follow God, you have been put in that family as a preservative. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the family seasoning. You're the secret sauce. And God wants to, God, God wants to use your life not only to, to, to season with wisdom, not only to bring holiness, but to bring new life, to slow decay. We, we need to live different kinds of life. Salt is different. It's different. It, we need to live lives where we use our money differently, where we, we treat marriage differently, where we treat personhood differently, where we care for others differently, where we use our time and our energy and our money and our resources and our families differently. And when we do this, we preserve things around us when we invite people into this relationship with Jesus Christ, when we, when we give testimony to what God is doing, we, we act as a preservative. And, and you know, there's this story of, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and I don't want to go too far into that, but, but Abraham knows that his, his nephew, Lot, is there, and he begins to interact with God, and he says, God, if, if there's just 60 people there, Will, will, you, will you burn it down? Will you destroy it? And he said, no, I won't destroy it. What about 50? No, I won't destroy it. 40? No, I won't destroy it. 30? No, I won't destroy it. And one of the points that, to take away from that story is that, that if there's just, just a little bit of faith somewhere, that can impact a whole city, a whole community, a whole nation. 
You know, sometimes we look at what we have and we're like, well, this is not enough for anything. You know, I, I, I can't do anything in my, in my employment. And, and there's no faith. And, and the reality is you are salt. You are intended to preserve. You have the ability to preserve the stuff around you. Not because of you, but because of God. The, the flip side of this is that when you're cooking, salt does no good if it's in the container in the cabinet. And if you live your life in such a way that, that you don't bring the saltiness, if you're not salty in the right way, <laughs> we're not talking about the colloquial modern day salty. Don't be that kind of salty. But if you're, if you're the God kind of salty, if you're, if you're not doing that, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the world as it's intended. Salt doesn't do what it's supposed to if it's not being used. He goes on to talk about unsavory salt, and he says, you know, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, if it's become foolish, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, I don't think, just as a side note, I don't think he's talking about, like, losing your salvation. I don't think he's talking about, you know, if you go off and lose your mind. Like, there are other texts that we can talk about, about what salvation looks like and, and how we can be eternally confident of our, our security in Christ. What this is talking about is the fact that if you don't live this life out, you know what there isn't? There's not a cavalry, or a, not cavalry, a cavalry, there's not a cavalry of other uh, second level Christians who are going to come in and fix the problem that the Christians didn't fix. Like, we're it. There's no plan B. If we don't do our job, there's not a SALT 2.0. If you don't do what you are supposed to do in your work environment, there is no other you to come in and say, oh, step aside, I'm going to do what you should have done. If salt loses its saltiness, there's nothing to help. And, and if you're kind of struggling with that, like how does salt lose its saltiness? Uh, in that time, salt was not the pure, you know, granulated, you know, NaCl uh, sodium chloride that, that we have. It was, it was t- taken from um, the, the Dead Sea and other minerals were mixed in. And so it, you could have salt or what appeared to be salt that had leached out all the actual sodium chloride. And so you could have salt that had no savor to it, no flavor to it, no ability to do what only sodium chloride can do. And so he says, guys, this is your mission. You are the salt of the earth. Again, it's emphatic. You are the salt of the earth. And if you don't do it, what good is it? He, he even goes so far as to say that, that it's pointless. You know, if, if you follow Christ, your life needs to, it has to look different. And if your life doesn't look different from those around you, you need to evaluate what following Christ means to you. If it means coming to church on Sundays, maybe giving a little bit of money, if, if that is the extent of your Christianity, then I would say you need to reevaluate your life. Those are, those are good things. They're important. But those, that's not the definition. Right? We are called into a relationship with God, a covenant with God, to express love toward a God who's expressed Lord, love towards us to such a degree that we overflow with these other things. You know, men, when you see your wife or, you know, single men, when you see that young lady that you really think is very attractive and you, you know, all of a sudden you want to start doing some stuff. You know, you, you no longer struggle with, oh, you know what, I'm going to spend some money. <laughs> Ladies, w- when you see that your husband or, or that man you're interested or, or 
parents, when you see your child and, and the love that you have, you know, brightens in your heart, it overflows in action. And, and when, we, when we live in the world as Christians, our lives ought to overflow with action because of the love that we feel and the love that we, we give toward God. And if, and if we don't have that back and forth, my encouragement to you is to go back to your first love and, and ask yourself, what does it look like for me to love this God? What has he said about me? What has Christ said about me? How, he's, how has God expressed his love toward me? If we live our lives differently only because, only by, by going to church like once a week or, or doing these kind of to-do list type items by themselves, we don't have the preservative impact that Jesus calls us to. And, and unsavory salt is purposeless, useless salt. Right? No, nobody's gonna go and buy salt that doesn't, you know, salt with iodine without flavor. What? No. That, what is that doing? He says it's, it's so pointless that it's no good for anything except to be thrown out on the ground and trampled upon. And I don't think he's trying to get to a secret meaning of like, you know, for the purposes of helping people. No, he's saying it's pointless. It's trash. It's going into the dustbin, into the trash can. He's not talking here about losing your salvation. He's talking about losing our purpose. He's talking about losing our purpose. If you don't, Paul says it differently. He says, guys, if this gospel's not true, if, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then, then we just need to eat, drink, and be merry because we're, there's the, the point of this is, there is no point. Right? He says it very frankly. He says, guys, if this is not real, then let's not pretend. I got other things that I'd like to be doing if this were not real. If, if we don't live with the purpose of, of having an impact in the, in the world as a result of, of what God has done in our lives, we're living unmoored, purposeless lives. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you're a believer and you're here at church and it just feels like nothing. You're like, oh, I gotta be at church again. I'll listen to this guy for hopefully about eight more minutes and we're done. <laughs> or less, I'd take less. And I get some food, see some friends, but, but it's pointless. Or, you know, Monday morning, you, you, you're like, do I read my Bible or do I look at my fantasy football league? Fantasy football league. And I'm not saying that's evil. I'm, but I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it, maybe you, you find yourself and, and you've lost a sense of purpose as it relates to your, your relationship with God. And what I would encourage you is to remember that you were intended to make an impact in this world. You, were, you have a responsibility you know, there's so much meaning in responsibility. There's so much meaning that responsibility brings to our life. You know, we can, we, we have Christmas and we have new toys and, and it's fun, but you know what's interesting about Christmas as a kid and watching kids is about, you know, three or four in the afternoon, they get bored. Like you have amazing, you know, this is just a, a small miniature ninja who does dances and he throws stars and makes you a, a sandwich and you just got <laughs> bored with him, Right? What is happening? You know, this is, this is the new, you know, pocket whatever, and it, and it does all the things. It can do your homework, and it can be your best friend. It's got, you know, a new onboard AI. It has conversations with you, and you're like, ah, just turn it off. Because we're not intended for entertainment. We're intended for responsibility and purpose. But think about the most, most 
impactful moments of your life. And I, my guess is those are moments where you realized something about your responsibility and your purpose. Maybe it was becoming a husband or a wife. Maybe it was becoming a, a father or a mother. Maybe it was becoming, you know, this new level in your, in your company. Maybe it was getting a job. Maybe it was, was getting your, your GED, graduating from high school, graduating from college. There's something about saying, I have accomplished this purpose and, and I have a responsibility that I'm fulfilling that brings purpose and life. And he says, if you miss your purpose, life becomes useless. It becomes pointless. And it, and it doesn't actually become pointless. God doesn't stop being the source of our hope, but we, we kind of lose our way. It's like boats out on uh, the water who can't see the lighthouse. If you can't see the lighthouse, you're in for trouble. Maybe you feel adrift. Maybe you feel useless. My encouragement is not just to look to God to say, God, please fix me. My encouragement to you would be to say, God, my hands are open. What responsibility do I need to fulfill? What purpose do I need to walk in? God has given us purpose on this earth to live differently. Not as a way of currying favor with God, but as a way of expressing what God has already done for us. See, the good news is not that, that we, can, we can come closer to God because of um, the commands that he gives us. The, the good news of God is that he says, I love you, I've sent my son to die on the cross and, and, and take on your sin, to die in your place for your sins so that you might live now with a new purpose. So that you might be brought into my family so that I can give you some, some heavenly chores so that you might be able to walk in a kind of responsibility and purpose that, that slows decay, that brings about holiness and expresses my wisdom in the world. We have a purpose. You have a purpose. If you're in this room and you feel like you don't have purpose, let me encourage you, that is a lie. If you're in this room and you feel like my life is a waste, I'm a mistake, let me encourage you, those are lies. God has made you and crafted you and created you for a purpose, a glorious, amazing, undeserved purpose. And you can walk in it today. And if you feel like, man, I, I feel like useless salt, I, at least I feel about the, like the, the trampled aspect of this whole thing. God is good and there's hope. Repent, turn to him, ask him, remind me of my purpose. And we, we talk... Uh, we talk about service a lot and, and I love service because service is the place where my purpose gets hands and feet. My purpose gets walked out. And whether you're a mom at home with your kids or you're you know, a janitor or you're a CEO or you're a mid-level manager or you're a retired grandparent, you have purpose underlying all of that. God has something for you something that he wants to accomplish through you. You are the salt of the world.